As I got into the prequels, uh, I paired up with uh, Matthew Wood, who had been my assistant for a while. He's always been my technical genius, my digital architect behind the scenes. When I first started on the prequel movies with Ben, my main goal was to convert him from his analog technology into digital. And I thought sort of once that was done, Ben would take it from there and move on. But he just sent me on so many different recording uh, assignments to go record vehicles and creatures and in different uh, ambiences and environments. Um, I got to learn about sound design and recording techniques. And Ben has been a mentor to me in on so many different ways. Um, and I was able to actually impart knowledge upon him too. So that felt really great to be able to give back. I think that uh, people are always fascinated by the source of sound. I don't know of any book that goes into the background of how we did it, what we did creatively. There's plenty of books about the technology and how microphones work, but this is a book about people and how they created things. You can see how Ben Burt has come up with you know, all these amazing sounds in the Star Wars universe, and there they are right at the push of a button on your fingertips, in your headphones, full stereo, high fidelity. Continuing our long-running series examining the sounds of Star Wars and the genius madness of the one and only Ben Burt as we talk about the sound of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. I'm kind of excited for this one because we really don't do, we haven't done that much Revenge of the Sith stuff over the years, which is kind of funny. I know it's it's weird when you look at our catalog of episodes. There's like not as many Revenge of the Sith episodes as there should be. It's weird. So we're trying to we're trying to fix that by having one today. We did the art of Revenge of the Sith. We did the novelization. There's probably something else I can't think of. Well, we did the what what the heck's going on with Order sixty six episode? That's technically Revenge of the Sith. So maybe yeah, there's some in there. There's some in there. If you compare it to like Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi or A New Hope, yeah, well, it feel, yeah, it feels good to get another one. But we also were what three years away from Revenge of the Sith year if we <laughs> if we survive that long. But no, I agree. I I love talking about Revenge of the Sith. I always like revisiting Revenge of the Sith. 
it's great to go back again. It's nice because yeah, like we haven't explored too much of it. So it's kind of exciting when we get to do Revenge of the Sith stuff. Well, and obviously if you're listening to the show, you know that sounds is stuff we like and the sounds of book is a huge favorite of ours. The JW Rinsler book, the sounds of star Wars. It's probably my favorite star Wars making of book. If I can make a bold statement, I think it's probably my favorite. I have two copies. I've started buying it every time I see it at half price books. I'll just buy it just cause I want to have all, all of them. And then I started like I had three and I gave one away. So it's like, because people need to have this book. So if you can find this book, buy this book, give it as gifts, it's the best book. It really is. And huge thanks again to the late, great J.W. Rinsler creating this book, having the, the wild idea to do this book. It's from 2010, but it's re, it's the gift that keeps on giving where it's kind of like every J.W. Rinsler Star Wars book where every time you look at it, you find something new. There's so much information in these books and in the Sound of Star Wars books where it it's just never stops being a fascinating, fascinating book. Well, and if you just had the book part, there's tons of great information and cool photographs. And if you just had the sound effect playing machine part of it, there's so many cool sound effects. And a lot of them, as you hear, are extended and different versions that you hear in the movie so either of those things individually would be amazing and the fact that they're all combined together in one electronic book is just i don't know it's the best thing and this is our i don't want to say it's our final sound of star wars episode but this is completing all the films that are represented in this book for us for blast points episodes and Again, we just can never get tired of talking about how important Star Wars sound is. It's just as much as a part of what makes Star Wars Star Wars as the music and the used universe thing and the thematic messages of the whole thing. It's it's just a key part, and it's so natural in the Star Wars universe that a lot of times you don't notice it. Well, and it's almost now that we're so far past the George Lucas, Ben Burt, Star Wars era too, that the sounds are really the most lasting legacy of the original films. Because even though we might get stories with all new characters and all new composers and all new music, there's a good chance there's going to be a few original Star Wars sounds mixed in from the original Ben Burt library and that those sound effects are kind of, if it's Star Wars, they're never going to go away. So getting on with Revenge of the Sith, where did we leave off after Attack of the Clones? It's what they're gearing up to do. Sith, it's like, 2003 2004 ben is doing more and more work on the films editing pre-visualization some second unit directing in addition to supervising supervising the sound and all of that continued with revenge of the sith maybe even more so yeah and as a result of that the ever ingenious ben burt came up with the idea of 
a portable suitcase. It's like um, Die Another Day when Gustav Graves is like, I wanted a suit, not a suitcase. Is that what he says? Bravo. <laughs> ben Burt actually wanted the suitcase. I think I think it boils down to it was a laptop. But the idea was, you know, this was kind of cutting edge at the time is he had a portable computer that he could log into the library with all of what does he say the 5700 sounds that i've made for star wars so he could edit audio anywhere he was if he was on the other side of the ranch working on non-audio things and it probably needed to be in a suitcase so he could carry it on his bicycle yeah because Ben, the hardest working man on Skywalker Ranch at the time, was going all around the place on his his bicycle, like we saw in what the Attack of the Clones DVD documentary. That I think that's the one on Disney Plus. Films are not released; they escape. Ben's got like a little scooter thing, and he's just zipping through the hallways of the ranch and through Skywalker Sound. There's a whole thing in the Sounds of Star Wars book where Lucas is talking about how he was worried that if Ben Burt maybe got a flat tire on this bicycle, that the whole production could come to a screeching halt because Ben is literally doing everything. So what does George do? He builds nine new editing and mixing rooms at Skywalker Sound, and they're up and running by 2005. Where Ben says in the book, we're pre-mixing each editor in his or her individual room. That hasn't been done before. In the past, they just edited in their rooms, and their work was sent to the mix stage, and the mixer set levels and made choices. Now, much of pre-mixing is taking place in the editing rooms. They are editing and pre-mixing as they go along. An innovation brought about by the new technology that has forced everyone in the industry to rethink the old traditions. And I just love that this whole innovation and kind of the the building of these new rooms came about because George was worried about his quote in the book, poor Ben getting a flat tire and Revenge of the Sith just not being able to happen that day. Well, the fun thing with, you know, him talking about all the new technologies is something where they went back to old technologies. So he wanted to go back and generate some more sounds for R2-D2. So he went back to his original ARP 2600 synthesizer that he used. And I like he says that they pulled it out from under his house. So I hope that means his basement and it wasn't just like under a tarp like buried in the dirt i don't know uh but he says it was moldy and he had to bring in uh howie hammerman their engineer who always shows up in this book as uh doing all sorts of random things with ben the the hammerman always showing up right in a pinch when you need him the most (laughs) burping for jabba um but what's neat is Ben got out his original ARP 2600 and was working on sounds. And at the same time, Matt Wood was using a, like a digital plug-in version of the ARP 2600 to try to create the same sort of effects uh, in the digital world. And they kind of both worked on recreating the original procedure for getting R2-D2 sounds. And between the two of them, they came up with a bunch of new stuff to add to the R2-D2 library. And in addition to Matthew Wood, as we all know, doing the voice of General Grievous in the film, he wasn't the only one 
which they called the San Anselmo Players, doing a voice in Revenge of the Sith, where th- this blew my mind, and I didn't even realize this until this week getting ready for this episode, that one of our favorite people in Revenge of the Sith, the Nemodian captain that says, magnetize, magnetize, that is Ben Burt. Magnetize, magnetize. It's like, yeah, of course it is. Of course that's Ben Burt. If I couldn't already love that line and that delivery of the dialogue enough before I knew it was Ben Burt, it just makes it even better. That made me think of, too, how on the Star Wars.com fan club hyperspace thing where they would do the Revenge of the Sith the cameras on the set when they were filming and all that stuff. It was I want to say it was like on a Saturday night there was a live chat with Rick McCallum. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My question got through where I said, like, what is on page 10, line 15 of the Revenge of the Sith script? And he replied, it would just magnetize. And you and I lost our minds. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, the fact that it, it just said magnetize, and I remember like the first time watching the movie, just waiting and waiting. Are they gonna? When are they gonna say magnetize? <laughs> when are they gonna say magnetize? And what is it gonna mean? But it, it was like it was my Rick McCallum answered my question, and it was like, oh, magnetize something is magnetized in, and we we'd spent so long. I think I called you afterwards, and we were like, okay, that's got to be like ten minutes into the movie, something gets magnetized. And I just love the fact that the Nemodians and the and the droids basically saying magnetize, magnetize that that's even in the script. <laughs> like they can't not have that in the movie. It's gotta they gotta say magnetize. And after Revenge of the Sith, Ben Burt went to work on Wally, which was very exciting. But Revenge of the Sith is kind of special because it really represents the last big Ben Burt sound Star Wars fest. Well, and he says in the book, too, ultimately, Revenge of the Sith would require 1,050 new sounds. So that's a lot of new sounds. Like, that's already more sounds than probably a normal movie would have. And he still has his vast library of the thousands of sounds from all the other movies to augment those thousand new sounds. Yeah, and like we said, they, they just keep showing up over and over again. And his wild creativity just keeps getting added on in the never ending amount of star Wars that we're getting in the near future. Like, well, and it's, it is the thing, like we were saying that the, you know, so much of these sounds are kind of the DNA and such a huge part of star Wars to the point where even new sounds are potentially created by mixing different individual sounds that have been in this star Wars library for decades at this point. And they, you know, to the point where you can, you can make something that maybe sounds new, but is actually still being created by all these classic recordings that he did over the years and his crew put together. Totally amazing. Lucas 
wanted what he called an organic soundtrack. That is, he wanted the sounds in the film to sound natural. He wasn't interested in perhaps what was the tradition in previous science fiction films, which was to generate electronic sounds and synthesized sounds that would have an otherworldly quality. He wanted the sounds to have a worldly quality, that they would sound like real objects, real motors, actual places. Uh, the doors would be rusty on the spaceships or the places where people lived. Uh, the engines would sound like that they were maybe mistuned or would backfire once in a while. He wanted a used universe, in a sense. And so by sending me out to record actual acoustic sounds in the everyday world, he was asking me to really gather natural sound, sound which would make this world of fantasy things seem credible and natural. Okay, so we're going to do what we do in these Sound of Star Wars episodes. We're going to play the sound, and then we're going to kind of talk about what the book says, where the sounds came from, how that crazy man Ben Burke came up with it, what the story is with it, and what is our first Revenge of the Sith sound? The first one is the Jedi Starfighter flyby. All right, let's listen to that. Here we go. That's a crazy one. Yeah, it's a cool one. And it's neat how, like a lot of stuff in Revenge of the Sith, they were trying to visually connect this movie with A New Hope. And here, Ben Burt was trying to do the same thing with audio. Uh, he says, I felt the sound should connect with those in A New Hope. So I started working with the old TIE Fighter sounds and adding NASCAR sounds to develop something that would hint at the direction of the technology. Basically... Find, trying to find a blend between a TIE fighter and an X-Wing. Mixing with NASCAR sounds. Well, it's just one of those things that's really cool, too, because visually you can look at the Jedi fighters and see that they're trying to mix the TIE fighter look in and because there's, there's such a distinct visual style to a TIE fighter versus you know a, a Rebel, an X-Wing or a, a Rebel-type ship. And it's just so neat that at the audio level, there's the same amount of distinction between the two you can close your eyes and, and tell the difference between an x-wing and a tie fighter as much as you can plug your ears and visually tell the difference and the fact that they were able to do this hybrid at an audio and a visual level is just i don't know it's it's cool that they were able to do that because those designs and sounds are so distinct all right moving on our next one i'm looking i'm really looking forward to this one it's the good stuff buzz droid reveal and laugh. <laughs> what, the, what, the, what are we hearing? What are we hearing here? So these all they're letting us know is that a slightly amusing cry of triumph supplied by Bert altered electronically. So I think that means that's Mr. Ben Bert's voice digitally altered. You know what? Let's play it one more time. <laughs> Do you think that's like his normal laugh? Just like sped up? Maybe he got the helium out. I don't know. 
<laughs> he's got that tank in his office in that one photo. Like maybe he keeps it filled. Just sometimes he's just got to take a hit of that 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 uh, helium. Don't worry, it's for work. Dog, for the buzz droids. <laughs> it's like the magnetize, magnetize. Of course it is. Of course that's Ben Burt. <laughs> we talk about this all the time too. That is, you know, if you think about it, you know, George Lucas is a weird dude, but potentially Ben Burt is even weirder. And a lot of the really weirdest, craziest stuff. If you dig deep enough, there are the there are the the fingers of of Ben Burt poking around in there. Who edited the IMAX cut of Attack of the Clones? Ben Burt. Who added Palpatine's scream when Luke fell down the shaft in the 97 version of The Empire Strikes Back? Ben Burt. Who's the buzz droid laugh? Ben Burt. (laughs) Okay, up next, totally normal. We're going to get back to some serious stuff here. General Grievous, cough and talk. You fool! I've been trained in your Jedi arts by Count Dooku. It's funny to think back when we didn't know about General Grievous and we'd never heard him talk, and then we finally heard him talk. And we heard him talk in the Clone Wars cartoon, but that wasn't really how he talked. <laughs> yeah, I love Grievous in the Clone Wars cartoon because it was like kind of scary. Like, whoa. You are surrounded. Your army is decimated. Make peace with the Force now. For this is your final hour. But know that I, Jedi Grievous, am not completely without mercy. I will grant you a warrior's death. Prepare. Yeah, and then when the movie came out, like, what? What? <laughs> What's that? This guy is crazy. Imagine if they did something like that now. <laughs> People be losing their minds. Well, well, I think people were losing their minds then, so I don't think it would have been any different. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Is it, what what information does the does the sound of Star Wars book have about General Grievous' cough and talk? Well, the talking we all know now that that's that's Matt Wood, and if you haven't heard the story, it's a great story that they Matt Wood just auditioned anonymously like anyone else, and and George liked his take on it, so that's why. He is the voice of General Grievous, but the cough is George Lucas. He was coughing. They recorded it, and they say uh, they kind of questioned the cough. They weren't sure what it meant for the story, but Bert goes on to say George wanted to Grievous to have breathing troubles because he's a forerunner of the type of technology that eventually creates Darth Vader. So that's why he coughs. I like too that recently it came out again that people when people discover that. Gary Oldman was in the running for yeah. the voice of Grievous. And again, could have been a totally different kind of thing. But Gary Oldman would have had the cough. A very classy cough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a bit more British. This next one is one of my all-time favorites. Magna Guard Staff Sounds. <laughs> Sweet, 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 sweet music. It's beautiful. It's my favorite song. I'm going to call up a radio station. Can you play the Magna Guard staff sounds? It's number one on the pop charts. I love the Magna Guards. I, I will say it from now until the end of the time that the only way to make droids cooler is to put clothes on them. And the fact that the Magna Guards were wearing clothes and Grievous had a cape it just made them 
even cooler than they would have been ordinarily. But this sound is so cool that they don't tell you in the book anything about it. It is a secret. It's one of the, it's a Benbert secret he's taken to the grave. Like at first, like listening to it, it makes me think it's like the the droid tank coming up over the hill in Phantom Menace. It's like the electric razor in a metal metal bowl. It probably has some. Maybe it's got some sped up cheese casserole in it. Just it's it's all all the hits. The Frankenstein sounds, a razor in a bowl, and sped up mac and cheese. Maybe it's it's all there. His his neighbor's particularly nasty dog that was the <laughs> rancor. So. Who knows? We'll never know. Only one person knows, and it's Ben Burt, and he's not telling. So, His lips were sealed that day. It's my secret, and you'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> so next we have the wonderful Separatist cruiser crash landing on Coruscant. Very exciting. Here we go. <laughs> lot going on in there like a lot and there's so much they another one they're kind of keeping a lot of the secrets there but they do give away one secret and that is mixed in with all of that is the sound of london's big ben clock tower why not why why wouldn't you of course when the ship hits the ground there is the sound of big ben chiming makes total sense to me just put it all in there. Yeah. Well, you know, they're crashing into, eventually they crash into a tower. So, you know, it's like foreshadowing. I like in the book too, what they're talking about how Matt Wood and Ben Burt are talking about how it knocks over a tower and maybe there was like a restaurant in Coruscant there and everyone in that restaurant died because this big part of Grievous's ship goes crashing through it. Well, they're talking about how everyone's just eating and all of a sudden they're like, ah, just trying to eat eat some nice Coruscant space dinner and yeah so this whole opening of Revenge of the Sith though just makes me think about how every time I watch Revenge of the Sith I'm taken aback on how crazy the whole opening is in terms of sound I remember when the first time I saw it in the theater I was kind of like what what is going on here because there's whole sections where you think there should be John Williams music or something, and the sound takes over. I think of R2 with the super battle droids as like a weirdly kind of musicless scene with just lots of weird little sounds happening all over the place. But that's especially apparent, too, in a whole scene right before they get in the cockpit to, and they crash into Coruscant. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. We're just going to play the audio of that scene here. Listen to this from a purely sound perspective on how crazy this is. <laughs> Time to abandon ship. All the escape pods have been launched. Grievous. 
Can you fly a cruiser like this? You mean, do I know how to land what's left of this thing? Well? Well, under the circumstances, I'd say the ability to pilot this thing is irrelevant. Strap yourselves in. Open all hatches, extend all flaps and drag fins. We lost something. Not to worry, we are still flying half a ship. Something wild in that, too, is early on, there's R2 doing his... And he does it again when the ship is, like, about to crash, which makes sense. Seriously, for almost 20 years, I never understood that first uh-oh. And when getting ready to record this episode, we finally figured it out. Yeah, in the center of the frame, there's, like, a wide shot of the of the bridge on that cruiser. And in the chaos, there's, like, a droid running by. And just as R2 says, uh-oh, he, like drives into the battle droid and it looks like he trips him or something. And, and then the droid like falls off a, off a platform. So it's kind of like R2 tripping a droid and saying, uh-oh. <laughs> so ridiculous. The sound in all of that, it's just, it's so crazy. That whole opening in Revenge of the Sith is totally wild. But like the sound is just over the top. I mean, of course I think of... Palpatine, like, remember what you told me with your mother and the sand people? That's clearly got to be some Ben Burt madness in there. Yeah. I, again, I remember sitting in the theater and being like, for real? <laughs> Could they hear that? Could like Palpatine and Anakin hear that? Or are we just, wait, what? <laughs> Am I losing my mind? It's We're only 10 minutes into the movie. Am I tripping? What's going on? Yeah, like, what <laughs> is happening? <laughs> That's like what we were saying. It's Revenge of the Sith. Is, maybe Ben Burton knew this was probably the the last Star Wars movie he was going to really work on. And he's, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it all. And if he does enough, George can't keep up with what he's doing. And he can just get in as much crazy stuff as he wants. Because it'll be 20 years before anyone realizes what's in there. So sticking with the sound of Star Wars book, in this part, in the part on Revenge of the Sith, the book kind of takes us a, a side note and a very deserving side note into the art of Foley, the Foley artists, the unsung heroes of sound and talking specifically about Denise Denny Thorpe and Jana Vance and their contributions to Star Wars. So we thought we should definitely give a fitting tribute to Denny and Jana because, yeah, like I said, they are the unsung heroes of Star Wars sound. And it's a fascinating story, too, because what they, they were working originally on Apocalypse Now – and that led them to working on Dragon Slayer. And then they worked on Twice Upon a Time with John Cordy, a Lucasfilm production. And they were doing Foley in the Kerner building, like right next door to ILM. And then what Ben Burt asked them to do Jedi. And then they stayed on through all the prequels. And Denny Thorpe works on uh, lots of Pixar stuff, video games. She did Foley on Force Awakens. And Jana. Did fully just recently on Top Gun Maverick and 
Star Wars Visions and The Mandalorian. So they're still going. Yeah, well, technically, Denny started doing Star Wars with Jedi. So Apocalypse Now, Dragon Slayer, that was all Denny. And then when it came time to do Episode 1 is when she needed an assistant. She needed a helper, a partner. And that's when Jana came on. And what's interesting is Jana was a Foley recorder recording the sounds. And since Denny needed a partner, she invited her to come out and do the sound side of it. Um, and they've been working together ever since. And I love how they describe each other's strengths and how they balance each other out. Janice says, uh, Denny is a very delicate hand and can really put you into a scene and into that character. I was Jar Jar. I tend to be like him all over the place, totally goofy crashing around. <laughs> so, Well, then the book is great where it gives you some examples, audio examples of some of the work they've done for Star Wars with Foley. We got to do it. Let's listen to some of their incredible Foley work, starting with the obvious choice where you got to start with, everybody's asking about it, Vader's shoes. Yes, Vader's shoes from Return of the Jedi. Let's listen to Darth Vader's shoes. Incredible. And you listen to it, and it sounds like, yeah, Darth Vader, he's walking on the Death Star, right? That's what the Death Star sounds like. But surprise, it is her in some boots walking on diamond plating, which is that, you know, metal stuff with the little diamond-shaped bumps on it so you don't slip that's on, like, trucks and stuff. So that's, I guess, what the Death Star is made of, because that's what it sounds like. It's the sounds of Star Wars book, giving the people what they want, right? If you're staying up. At night, I can't sleep. I want to know what Darth Vader's feet sound like. You keep trying to listen to it in the movie, and there's like other people talking in the movie and other sounds. I just want to hear his feet. This is the book for you. Our next one, Battle Droid Falls Apart. It's a symphony. Symphony of sound. I know that we're we're not talking about this part because we're going to talk about the Foley part, but that like beep sound when that droid gets blown up is one of my all time favorite Star Wars sound moments. I think and always will be. That was one of the moments when I first saw the Phantom Menace where I was like, I love this movie because I don't know what I just heard and it was weird, but it sounds like what I would expect it would sound like. Yeah, it sounds like the battle droid wanted to scream. And it, like, got cut off right in the beginning or something. So for Foley in this scene, here's the secret for the sound of the battle droid falling down. We ended up dropping an iron. If you're at home playing with your battle droid toys and you want to knock them over, grab your iron and throw it on the floor, and it'll sound exactly like the movie. Up next, we got Jar Jar's tongue. This is very exciting. That's it. That's all you get. Yeah. We might have to play that one again. All right, let's do it. What are we hearing there? What is that? So they don't give much away with how they made the sound, but they have some really interesting stuff about working with Ben. And Thorpe says how Ben was very specific. And like with the battle droids, you know, things like, okay, these guys weigh 150 pounds, that sort of thing. But for Jar Jar, 
They say, Ben talked about Jar Jar's tongue, and he used words like slurpy and elastic-sounding, kind of whippy, and to think cartoon. Perfect. Which, yeah, that sounds about like how Jar Jar sounds. (laughs) Let's listen to it one more time. This next one, Jabba Bite. Again, a symphony of sound. So much going on in there. Well, and this one's fun because this is like the classic Foley trick, the celery crunch. Naturally. So if you're at all familiar with Foley's, the celery crunch is used for bones breaking, among other things. And yeah, it's Jabba biting a frog's head off and spitting it. And you get a nutritious snack. Yeah, Foley artists are very healthy. They eat a lot of celery. Eat celery more often and... It's kind of like you're eating Star Wars food. Put some cheese casserole in the groove on the celery, and you are in Star Wars sound buffet land. (laughs) You're pretty much Ben Burt at that moment. Feed that to some uh, raccoons in a bathtub, and (laughs) you're having a party. That's that's how they made the original trilogy, folks. So, (laughs) all right. Speaking of next one, droids march on grass. Memories. Memories. It's like when people describe looking at beautiful paintings and how it makes them feel. That's how I that's how I feel listening to that. So this is another one they're kind of vague on the on the secrets, other than there is uh, earlier in the in the chapter, uh they talk about they have a uh they call it the tortilla press, but they say it's actually like a hamburger press. That's just a metal press that they use that for some of the droid sounds. But this is another one where they're talking about the direction they get uh, from Ben Burt. And they're talking about how specifically he said, don't worry about the grass. Make it impressionistic. Let's hear the battle droids themselves, but don't worry about the grass. Which is exactly what you hear when you listen to it. It's the droids. They're the, they're the stars of the show. But I kind of, it made me, I kept thinking like, well, what would droid feet on grass sound like? <laughs> So that's that's your homework for the for the weekend. Go outside; it's summertime, and see uh, what what would droid feet sound like in grass. Let's well, like if you walk around the front yard. Are you are you paying attention to what your feet sound like in grass? I don't I don't think I am. Well, it doesn't make a lot of sound. All right. So next we've got uh, number one on the pop charts: Ackley Stab and Crack. <laughs> Listen to that all day long. Man, that's another one. Memories. This brings, that all comes rushing back. What are you listening to? Some Ackley Stab and Crack. Makes me feel good. What kind of music are you into? I'm into Stab and Crack. Is there any info on Ackley Stab and Crack in the amazing book? This one, it's getting exotic. They had some some fresh young coconuts from Thailand that they uh, slashed with a machete. I never would have guessed that, but okay, all right. And she says to get the uh, the cracking sound, it's it's after slashing it with the machete, digging in with her hands and ripping the coconut open. Not only is a, a beautiful sound, it's a delicious treat. Uh, it makes me think if you had like acle legs, that they would taste like 
like coconut shrimp. Give it some dip. You gotta dip that stuff. A L- little salty, a little sweet. Okay, our final fully sound in the book. Grievous walk. Here we go. <laughs> situation captain very exciting very exciting going lots of going on there well and how nice of them to kind of bring us back to revenge of the sith at the end here this is another cool one denny had these cool brass coat hooks and they held three of those at a time in such a way that they could get the sound and the weight of his walk so almost recreating his toes with coat hooks. Yeah, because what they're talking about, that Grievous doesn't exactly have feet. He's just got like this yeah, big metal toe in the front that he kind of plows around with. He's got like bird feet, like robot bird feet. Well, yeah, that brings us back to the sounds of Revenge of the Sith. And we get back into it, as you should, with Wookiee Yell. Here we go with Wookiee Yell, my favorite Billy Idol song. What's going on with a Wookiee yell here? What are we What are we hearing? So for the Wookiee yell, Benbert says basically for someone as well established as Chewie, I have a sound library that goes all the way back to seventy seven. And he said for the new Wookies, he was able to use that library. Uh, he says there are always things in there that we haven't used yet, so we can make new Chewbacca sounds from components we already have. Nothing was recorded for him in Episode three. So that's kind of like what we were talking about, that there's the components used to create these sounds. It sounds like there's so many in the library that they can make new sounds from the old sounds. And that's where this, the legacy of Ben Burt is going to be part of Star Wars as long as they're making new Star Wars stuff. I remember, too, like, wasn't it when we did the Sounds of Empire, they were talking about they had to vastly expand some of the Chewbacca sounds. And there was a lot of stuff that Ben recorded for the holiday special that ended up going into Chewbacca Wookiee sounds. So who knows? It could be some holiday special recordings that he did that ended up being part of a Kashyyyk in episode three. We just don't know. But this next one we do know about, this is the one everybody's been waiting for, the Boga Roar. Oh my god. Well, this one yeah, is maybe almost in as crazy in real life as it sounds in the movie. It's a combination of sounds including a Tasmanian devil recorded for Willow <laughs> with dog and coyote yelps from the Skywalker library. I got to play it again. I got to play it again. Oh. That's the craziest thing. If there's a Kenobi season two, he needs to find a boga lizard to ride on. We have more bogas in general. Boga, a Star Wars story. Bogas across the board. Or just call one on the phone would be enough. Hello there. It's me, Kenobi. How are you doing, boga? (laughs) Yeah, he just wants to check in. Just wants to know how things are going. Okay, we got to move on lightsaber cutting through ground 
strangely soothing <laughs> so in, in addition to the you know your usual lightsaber sounds the uh the sound cutting into the ground is a band saw this is one of those cases where the sound is almost kind of literal that he's cutting through the ground and they recorded a saw it's like chill out time it's like you do yoga to meditate to that just need 10 seconds to relax Put on my relaxing sound. Okay. The wheel bike. Here we go. That's one that doesn't get enough, like, proper attention in the finished film. It is. It's an outrageous vehicle that's just thrown in the middle of an outrageous movie that you can't even... It almost gets lost in the other outrageousness. It's true. So you don't get enough time to truly appreciate Grievous's wheel bike. Well, Ben Burt's description is great. He says, you look at General Grievous's wheel bike, and it's nasty, loud, and dangerous. It's like rock and roll. That's why George Lucas likes it. But he says, I thought a chainsaw would be perfect. So there's some chainsaw on there and i wonder if subconsciously grievous's wheel bike was inspiration for kylo ren's lightsaber which kind of has that chainsaw vibe uh, yeah it kind of does doesn't it yeah let's check out Utapau battle sounds <laughs> Ben Burt Symphony right there. It's all of his favorite things. This one's fun in the book because there's no description or any clue to what any of those sounds are. But there's like three whole pictures to go along with that sound. So you can kind of like go through scenes of the battle in the movie while you listen to the sounds. If you've read this book straight through, like if you're a total maniac and you're just like, I'm just going to read this from front to back. You've heard explosions and laser sounds already many times. So maybe there's like, you know, you know how all this goes. A bunch of lasers and things blowing up. Yeah, this time there's just a lot of it. <laughs> what, what we did earlier, but just more of it. So we're all having fun here. We're all laughing. We're having a good time. Let's all get real sad with the death of Coyote Mundi. That's just like the scene, the clip from the movie with like John Williams music and stuff in there. Well, they kind of describe it that way that uh, Matt Wood says the sound effects were subtle. So when Keati Mooney gets killed, you don't hear every individual laser. It's just like a whistling sound because the music is taking over there. He says we tried to give it a Godfather effect. 
So it's kind of, I think, in here as an example of sound effects as as more impressionistic, like they were talking about earlier with some of the other sounds. Like it wasn't about matching the visuals one-to-one. It was just giving the impression of something going on and that the score really was what was more important in this scene. Sometimes it's a Ben Bird symphony. Sometimes it's a, just like a little bit more muted, you know? A whisper. Ben Bird. <laughs> Moving on. Padme's Star Cruiser blast off and fly by. This is a cool one, and this, it sounds like, is, is kind of a similar technique that definitely goes back to Attack on the Clones and maybe even some of the sounds in uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, he talks about how he has a way of digitally filtering effects so he could take one of his World War II fighter uh, or a rocket flyby and digitally give it like a whistle sound that would match the pitch of the original sound. So it's like taking a natural sound and blending in this digital sound that kind of modulates along with it. And a lot of the prequel ships kind of have that combination of like an airplane with that kind of like whirring whistle thing mixed in, which is a, it's just a kind of, I don't know. It's cool. And it's like the, it's like the tie fighter sound of the prequels where like the prequel ships kind of have that signature whistling bit mixed in. Okay. So moving on our final two, Revenge of the Sith sounds. First one, volcano sounds. So this one is pretty cool. We get to hear from, for a couple reasons. One, we get to hear from uh, assistant sound editor on Revenge of the Sith, David Accord, who is still there doing wonderful stuff at Skywalker Sound. And he says the lava pops were shotguns, which now that I know that it kind of they kind of sound like like slowed down shotgun blasts. And he goes on to say that when the all the sounds of the snapping power cables on the Mustafar structures were from guitar strings. That makes total sense. I never, ever, ever thought of that. Well, and there's probably a big maybe there's a box of guitar strings in Ben Burt's office from the attack of the clones days or he just steals all the old strings from his buddy who plays guitar every every sunday after he plays at church the guitar player's strings are strangely missing from his guitar and have you seen my strings no no maybe lucas donated his guitars from when he was taking guitar lessons in that rolling stone return the jedi interview i'm not using these anymore i don't know who that person was linda never liked it All right, our final sound in the book. Vader's mask on and breathing. Here we go. That is wild. There's all that crazy stuff going on there in the beginning that 
you know, there's there's like John Williams music going on. It's a very emotional part in the movie. I, I don't think I've ever like heard a lot of that stuff that that clear. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool sounds mixed in there. Uh, and of course, in here, they're not telling us what any of that is. Other than one really interesting part is the sound of Vader's heartbeat is a recording from a sonic boom recorded by Ben Burt as the space shuttle flew over Marin County. Naturally. Of course it was. Yeah. So Darth Vader's heart has a little bit of the space shuttle in it. I don't think I've ever heard a space shuttle flying overhead. It's because we don't live in California where maybe that happens all the time. Ben Burt's out there with the boom mic. Gotta get it. It's the land of sunshine and space shuttle flyovers. So, yeah, like we said, as Revenge of the Sith was the end of one era, it was the beginning of a new one. Next up for Skywalker Sound with Star Wars was the Clone Wars. And just as Lucas was giving more and more creative freedom to Dave Filoni, now it was Matt Wood and, like we said, David Acord, David Accord, depending on where you're from. If you work on Star Wars, you have to have a Star Wars name that you can pronounce multiple ways so <laughs> yeah matt wood matt wood some people say it that way yeah they were building off and continue to build off like we said what ben burke created out of his genius and insanity back in the mid late 70s like we said denny thorpe and Jana vance continued to do fully work on clone wars Ben Burt's son, ben, Benjamin Burt, a.k.a. Benny Burt, working on Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, who knows what else in the future. Ben himself tends to show up when you least expect it. The voice of BD-1 in Jedi Fallen Order, and he did the crazy Ray Vision sound montage in Force Awakens, and he did the Jedi voices at the end of Rise of Skywalker, which took everybody by surprise. So at the end of the book, there's a very nice little epilogue called Future Sounds. It's got a couple great Ben Burt quotes. The first one here, kind of wrapping up this whole Sound of Star Wars journey, where Ben is saying, good sound design means creating dynamics wherever you can. Moments of silence, alternating quiet and loud sequences, Each sound effect should create an image of something all by itself in the listener's imagination. The sound designer's function is still simply stated to select the right sound for the right moment. And I think that's like we were saying in the beginning of the episode, too, where something like the TIE fighter roar or the blaster bolt sounds or the lightsaber sounds things that have become so iconic they create something in our in our heads beyond what we're seeing on the screen that quote's great too cuz it is almost uh, it's very similar to the Doug Chang's kind of quote in uh is that the Mando season 2 book was that the last one we did just about so much of design is is choices and kind of making the right choice is the important part more than your technical ability and as much technical ability that Ben Burt has it was also his the choices he made of of what to play when and where and how that that are so make all this stuff so memorable and so iconic as much as the sounds themselves 
you know, like he says, the right sound at the right moment is the most important thing. And I think it's something that geniuses like Doug Chang and Ben Burt know, yeah, that when to push it and go crazy and when to step back. Yeah, just think how crazy Revenge of the Sith would be if Ben Burt wouldn't have pulled back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ben Burt showing some restraint. Well, and just when things are getting serious and introspective, the what the very next page is a beautiful picture of Ben Burt surrounded by his favorite things. He's got a helium tank and an R2-D2, and he's ho- holding a homemade arrow. And in the caption of the photo... It tells you what that arrow is. Yeah, this is the cover of the May-June 2009 edition of Editor's Guild magazine. And the arrow he's holding is a custom-built arrow designed to reproduce the arrow sounds from the Adventures of Robin Hood film. That's the kind of stuff that Ben Burt does because he's Ben Burt. A custom arrow to get just that right Adventures of Robin Hood's arrow sound. And to figure this one out. That's why he is who he is, and we love him for it. the galaxy with new episode three lightsabers you can choose obi-wan's lightsaber with force vibration train with jedi master yoda what do you have and choose your destiny like anakin skywalker he chose the dark side fortified it too with the darth vader voice changer the transformation is complete you don't know the power of the dark side new star wars lightsabers and voice changer each sold separately cable batteries not included as an adult before going online oh you can hasbro.com And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. You know what I'm about to say. So you should go leave a review for Blast Points on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find this show when they're looking up, hey, what's a good Star Wars podcast? And we love reading all the things you have to say about the show. It means so much to us. And it helps more people find the show. And if you listen on Spotify, you should leave us a star review over there so more people can find us on that, too. And make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com. And you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're a member of our Super Chill group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon. So much bonus stuff. we got commentaries for every single episode of Kenobi, Mando episodes, 
Book of Boba episodes, Bad Batch episodes, our episode about each 20 minutes of the episode one documentary, the beginning, so much stuff. And in the very near future, we are going to have our exclusive episodes about light and magic. But that wraps up 321, the sounds of Revenge of the Sith. Even though, like we said, we've done all the movies, we're not done with sound and Star Wars. Like we said, like all Rinsler Star Wars books, they're the gifts that keep on giving, and there is more sound Star Wars episodes on the way with Blast Points. And yeah, if you ever come across this book somewhere, pick it up. It is incredible. You will love it. I guarantee you will love it. You will take it to bed at night and you will sleep with it. You put it on a pillow. You plug little headphones in to the sound effect thing. You go sit in a corner and you listen to sound effects for an hour. You'll love it. Totally normal thing to do. Everybody's doing it. Well, and get excited because next week is the actual return of Attack of the Clones year. Finally getting back on the Attack of the Clones year groove next week. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Something to look forward to. So until then, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, we will AOTC you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. laser sounds <laughs> whistling laser sounds into your ear may the force be with all